Good evening, welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith and Mitch and Stu for the professionals. How are you doing, lads? Good, all very, very good. good. So, Stu, you're in Tenerife now. Mitch, yeah. you're back home. I am in Dubai. Yeah, but next week <laughs> we're going to be reuniting you, <laughs> but not yeah, in the UK. In uh, you'll be in Dubai. We'll be in Dubai. Uh, <laughs> exactly, and of course, next week, uh, next Sunday, Newcastle United play Manchester City, and uh, we will be looking ahead to that game early, early, early next Sunday morning, nine o'clock UK time, uh, nine or ten, because I've got to get across to town, and the lads have got to get to the boozer. Uh, so uh, don't forget, uh, the professionals will be back on Sunday, but it'll be earlier time of nine o'clock next week. So let's pick the bones out of Newcastle Brighton first, Mitch. Uh, I'm positive. I genuinely am positive um, about that. Two uh, games, four points in the bag, two clean sheets, Newcastle United uh, up and running. And uh, performance-wise, not as good as the Forest game. But we were playing Brighton, who you know are a, are a pretty decent team. They're at the next level. It's where Newcastle really want to be at. Um, I thought it was a good, good hard-earned point. I would, I would totally agree with that, to be honest with you. And I think the other thing it's definitely shown is if you know if if those who are making the decisions in the transfer market are are, are watching, we see where we need something extra to move us to that next level. Because I think we, we Brighton are a very well organised, very technically astute team, and I think we'll match them for the most part all over the pitch. We'll come away with a clean sheet. Um. But I do think we were missing a little sprinkle of X factor in the final third of the pitch. And I think if you think when the, the substitutions he made, um, if you could add just that little bit extra quality into those substitutions, I think that game was there for the taking. And that's before I start getting on my high horse about about the Callum Wilson decision and the high feet in the area, because that that challenge for me is not no way is that given on the halfway line. That's only ever going to be given in the box. It's one of these real mysteries at the minute of football for me is why challenges in the box are held at a different standard to those outside of the area. Um, put that then again, I'll go on and rant about that, but, but I won't. I haven't got time for that. Um, but no, I, I think a hard-fought point. I would, would I have taken four points and two clean sheets from the opening two games of the season? Oh, yes, of course I would. Every time. No problem at all. Uh, so I, I don't think we could be unhappy. And I think they, they put a huge effort in on the pitch. I don't see... I, I can understand why people are a little frustrated because we are missing that little bit of quality. I think that now stands out as we do need something different to sprinkle into the mix when push comes to shove to maybe push it to that, that next level. Sue, good point. He's gone. He's gone. Where is he? He's back yeah. there. Um, I, oh, yeah. you, you were in the green <laughs> I was room. Away, I was busy... I was busy trying to sort a picture out, but yeah, I didn't realise he'd gone off screen. So, look, from 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 your perspective, a good point? Yeah, it was a good point. Uh, we started off well enough, I suppose, and I think Brighton would have been very high up from the result of the previous week, although a couple of hours after the Newcastle game, that got blown out of the water, didn't it? But it, it was a great result for them. And we went there, and yeah, we rolled, but look a couple of times, it was not too dissimilar to when we played West Ham away in that run at the end of, well, the middle of last season, where we come away with a battling point. And it shows this strength and advance that we've made if if we can play not the best football and still come away with a point. And yeah, Nick Pope made a couple of good saves. I think he's always deemed to have a good day from the build-up he received. Uh but it happens, they're going to create chances at home. And like you say, for most part, we contained them pretty well, even when a few players were off the game. 
Nick Pope, uh, you mentioned him there. He's had quite a week, bit of a social media <laughs> star, uh, Mitch, where, with, with the uh, yeah. Twitter trending situation. But yeah, Stu's pointed out there, two great saves, um, you know, which, which earn Newcastle a point, making the, the £10 million price tag look a bit of a steal at the moment. Absolutely. And, and he's a player who, if he continues in this vein of form, um, is knocking on Gareth Southgate's door saying, hey, uh, I'm, I'm the number one going into the World Cup. And if he continues to play like that, there's no reason why he can't. And without being sounding disrespectful to Burnley, he's got a bigger and better stage with Newcastle United to give him a little bit more weight to do that. Um, I think Southgate is prone to making decisions based on a popularity contest. And therefore, I think Pope in Newcastle United's squad has a bit more weight to go on and then be near England's number one and if he plays like that every game he will be there's no doubt about it yeah there is no doubt about it Stu and I think um, you know the decision that we were talking about you know at the start of the season Dubravka uh, Pope you know who, who you're going to pick um, I think you know we can see why you know Eddie Howe made it the priority of bringing him in great signing and um, if he carries on in that kind of form we'll have no worries yeah, it was a type of sign. I know Eddie Howe's mentioned Kevin Keegan a few times uh, this week alone, but it's a type of sign that Keegan made. He'd bring in someone who he believed was better than the person that was in that position before. You know, whether that be the Mick Quinns, the David Kellys, you know, Peacocks, all these ones that were fans' favourites, they all got moved on uh, for the betterment of the club. And these are the sort of decisions he's making. And I think if we're frustrated with the lack of potency, shall we say, up front, at least he's dispelled one rumour that he couldn't manage a team that defends well, because that was what was being levelled at him when we first got him. You know, look, he got Bournemouth relegated on all these goals, conceding Newcastle's defence is terrible, he's already going one way. So whether he's ignored it or took it on board as, uh, as a way to focus and push himself further, it's, it's done the trick because I'm sure we've already conceded in one home game or something, and it was at Liverpool. Another games for about six games or something like that. So he's definitely showed the defence open by doing that. I honestly believe the midfield has improved. That they've given them more cover. They've been more flexible and and been able to come back and less static. And that takes us to a point where it seems since Shelby was left out of the team, the, 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 the midfield have been a bit more fluid for want of a better phrase that Mitch uses quite a lot. But they have been. They've been going backwards and forwards, putting the energy and covering, and they're well drilled. So we're frustrated that they, they haven't got that bit up front. Anyhow, we'll be frustrated. The board will be frustrated. But I'm still firmly believe they'll bring at least two proper good names in before the window's closed. And... That, and I honestly believe that they won't bring someone in just for the sake of bringing someone in, like Ala Everton, as we keep pointing out. You know, they they are making a lot of strides. There's a lot of frustration all around. Uh, but if they show the hands too early now by saying, OK, we'll pay you top dollar, it opens it up for the rest of the window, doesn't it? So I think if they are going to have to pay extra, it'll be nearer the end of the window. With Shelby being out, it's quite obvious that the midfield needs to be bolstered a bit. Yeah, Mitch. Let's get on to the Callum Wilson incident that, that you mentioned. Um, I yeah. thought it was a, I thought it should have been allowed. I've got to be perfectly honest. I've watched it back a couple of times now, uh, but I've seen them given and I've seen them disallowed. But you know, but seem to make you a bit angry. Well, it's the kind of like I say that there seems to be two or three fouls you see, types of fouls you see, that are never given outside of the box, and always given inside of the box, and that doesn't make any sense to me. Why is what happens in the box held to a different standard? It's, it's either a foul or it's not. Um, and, and I've seen comparisons today comparing, if you remember, that that uh, challenge on Longstaff that was done, I think, at Burnley. Burnley um, yeah. Which, yeah, which wasn't given. And then you look at the, the challenge that Wilson's making where there's clear, diff- you know, there's no contact between the foot and the head. None at all. It's, there's, a, there's air between them. And therefore... One is given, one is not. Well, what's the difference? And if somebody can tell me what the difference is, um, then I'll, I'll be enlightened. Um, and you see it with certain other types of fouls as well, particularly when you, um, 
it was it was heartening today to see in that West Ham game uh, that Antonio was called up for what would have been a fantastic block in American football to open a running lane. Um, but, but was you know to clear clear somebody out to allow somebody to then go on and score a goal that's a foul, and so um, that was given for once. But you see again, you see times where they're not given. And it's not just about consistency, it's about consistency between referees. It's the kind of thing that frustrates football fans constantly. It's the kind of thing VAR was supposed to be being brought in to help the iron out. And so, in that situation, the referees, you know, Wilson's finished it off, but I think I think the referee had blown by then, and I think the keeper wasn't sort of in a position to really bother. And so the ball ends up in the back of the net, but really... Surely in that situation, the referee should hold his whistle until the end of play, then blow up and say, right, I want that check on VAR because I think there's a foul in that process. If VAR's not there to do that, what's it there to do? You know, it, 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 we need to have this level of consistency, not just with one referee, but between the referees because it's going to create more, creates problems every season. Um, and like I say, there seems to be certain types of challenges that seem to always be given in the box, but never given outside of the box. It's ridiculous, really. Stu, your thoughts on that? I mean, it would have been the ultimate smash and grab, me and Lee Major have just been having a bit banter on Twitter about it. He knows that he knows that I love the old smash and grab. Uh, but yeah, you know, I think it should have stood. Do you? Absolutely. There was a incident not long before that as well where he could have and should have had a penalty. And it was dismissed as a, a dive, but the action replay showed that he was fouled. Uh, unlike uh, Sam when he did dive, which more looked like a penalty than the first one he learned. So it's, as Rich rightly says, if VR is there for a reason, then use it. You know, the, if the clear and obvious error in the box is being made on the edge of the box, this is, to me, what the VR should be there for. But it's not the VR's fault. It's the, it keep getting, keeps doing the same thing. It's the officials using it and choosing when to use it rather than being... Uh, diplomatic or formatic across the across the board and saying this is exactly how it should be used. Anything like that, as you say, let the player continue. We'll buzz area if it needs to be looked at again. And, and for the Callum Wilson one, he didn't touch the ball. It doesn't help when the defender goes down holding his head. But he, he didn't touch his head. There was clear distance. And if if these are the rules, then how is anyone ever going to score over and kick again? Now, if you can't raise your feet a certain height, no, it's... Where, where, where do you draw the line with it? Well, it just seems to the be get the too often, that's all. Look at the volley that Chelsea lad scored in the game earlier on today. How yeah. high was his foot off the ground when he plays and scores that? You know, yeah, but okay. this... Oh, I say it's inconsistent, but this this wouldn't have been a smash and grab because we're only after about 15 minutes in or something. And we, we could have had the goal. So mm. we're wanting to look that the whole game changes. They have to come out more. We can expose them more uh, on the break. We play them at their game because that's how they seem to set up away from home. They do it very well. Uh, and, and I honestly thought for at least the first hour, we seemed to match them well. And then whether it was the the heat, whether it was substitutions that were made, whether it was the crowd or just a bit more determination, they seem to take over the game. But again, there was some great tackles getting put in. Cleverly timed tackles. Uh, our friend ASM, he tracked back in the first half, didn't he? And he, I thought he made a fantastic air tackle, and I was I was going to set him up for the game, like give him the confidence, but it, it didn't badly. But he wasn't the only one who had off day yesterday, you know. But as I would say, it was probably Bruno's worst game for us, although he never hid, which is always admirable. He always seemed to, seem to want the ball, but he seemed to be getting knocked off it a bit too easy. Like the ankle injury he got earlier on was playing on his mind. But uh, I'm happy with the 1-1 one, one draw at Brighton and let's see what happens when we play next week. It could be a different result. Yeah, no, it definitely could. Um, the you know the, the, the performance from Pope, as I've already said, was, was, was great. ASM, though, we've touched on him a few times over the last uh, 12 months. Um, Mitch, his performance mm. was, was lacklustre yesterday and the dive that he got with Book for was, was embarrassing, it has to be said. And rumours, and I have to you know, emphasise rumours circulating quite heavily at the moment that Newcastle may look to offload him before the transfer window 
um, you know, would certainly be interested of, of offers over 40 million, uh, talk of unrest, etc. You know, but again, I, I must emphasize it's rumors, it's nothing concrete. This doesn't come from a reliable source, uh, but those kind of rumors seem to be getting, you know, more and more, you know, consistent around them. And, uh, you know, it, it's it, it's never it's never great when that happens. It isn't. And, and yesterday was very much ESM at his frustrating best. There's no doubt about that. Um, and the minute he got booked, that effectively took yourself out of the game for me. You know, it was, for me, you might as well have brought him off then. Um, and yes, he did track back, but Brighton really did want to get him isolated one-on-one. On one on one, and I think that's a tactic that uh, their managers used before. If you remember when we got hammered at home, uh, and he gave away the penalty for a challenge on Lamberty. That's because one of the tactics they were employing from Potter was to isolate the SM one-on-one in his own th- the final third of the pitch. Um, and he allows that to happen because he doesn't take up the great good positions because he's lazy in tracking back sometimes. So, and so... The question I'm going to ask you, Mitch, is about your ways. And, and it's a question John Askew's put in there. He says, should ASM be left out when we play away from home? That might be... One way to solve the ESM conundrum is use him as an impact player in the way games, perhaps. Don't know. Difficult. Difficult to know. Look, people are well aware, in my opinion, on ESM and well aware that there's some stuff I haven't discussed, which I have heard and have heard over a number of, you know, over his entire time at the club. Um, I'm quite sure he's high maintenance. I'm quite sure he needs his tummy tickled, you know, constantly. I'm quite sure he needs to be reassured that he's, he's this and he's that. Um, how does that fit in with the squad? How does the squad cope with that? We're talking about that at pre-season when he was doing his little little roly-polies around the pitch and the players on the bench were having a little giggle about it. That's fine, provided it's a positive giggle, provided it's players like, oh, ah, you're right, here we go again. You know, and, and everybody's on board with that and they can accept it. But if that's part of a little division in the dressing room where players are thinking, Christ, man, will you just pack it in and get on with it and pick yourself up and crack on? That's not, not not the kind of thing that Howe wants in the dressing room. You're right about it's difficult to know where the current lot of, lot of rumours are coming from and how trustworthy the sources are, because generally Howe's talked the SM up in the pre-season and you know, made sure that his state is an important part of his uh, squad. But if rotating them out in away games is a way to get more value out of them, that might be one way to look at it. But only Eddie Howe's got the final decision decision on that. Um, does he have a price? Yes, I think he does. I think everybody has a price. Um, and given how careful they're being with the FFP numbers, he's one of the few assets that could go out at a significant amount of money that may make significant incomings possible. Uh, which in some ways would be a shame. Um, I've said also I would love nothing more than to see him succeed in every way he really wants to in a black and white shirt because we'll all win then. You, me, Stu, all the fan base, the club, everybody. It's win, 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 win all around. Um, but when he's when it's that ASM and everybody can see it and everybody's getting frustrated at him, I don't know what the actual stats were, but I think he gave the way gave away the ball fourteen or fifteen times yesterday, and that's that's not good enough. That the, the day that ain't good enough from somebody like him. We need better end product, and we need you know we need something that is that X factor that that game winning. Um, difference and because we were missing that yesterday and an on form ESM could be that difference but is the way for to get that out of him in a, in a tough away fixture like Brighton yeah maybe to put him on the bench and start him from the bench and bring him on later in the game mm. Stu ESM you know again it's, it's it's until the transfer window closed there'll always be speculation and you know, I've got to agree. Somebody mentioned it in the chat a little bit earlier there. If, you, if you're going to slate ASM, then, you know, you have to, it was trolls. You have to slate Miggy as well because he's got no end product. But I think I think the difference between the two is that Miggy runs around, puts a lot of effort in, whereas ASM, he can be he, he can appear to be shirking at times. Do you know what I mean? And if he chucks it, he chucks it. And it's, it's, just, it's, it's just that temperamental attitude. It frustrates supporters, I think. Yeah, he's, that's the type of thing he is. He's a frustrating player. And by saying someone was 
not playing well is hardly slating them. <laughs> but um, I said Bruno didn't play well. Wilson didn't play well. You know, so it's not what we're doing is the, the pro ASM brigade and turning people into anti ASM. Um, again, I'll just resonate what Mitch has just said. If he's on fire and on top form, he's a huge asset at his club. But those games are becoming two and four between them. Uh, and if anyone can say the last time he really played well, my opinion would have been Arsenal at home. And the one thing he did then more times than he's done any game since he was hitting the byline. Instead of being predictable, coming inside all the time, and then they can just double up. He holds on as long as he can, then say, Look, I passed it. I did as I was told. It's like the. the it's like someone in a, we've all been in, a, in at school, you know. There's always someone crazy and but clever with it, and always resisting the, the teacher's uh, urgence, you know, and wants to sit in the back and, and throw chewing gum at people and stuff. But he has all the brains in the world. Max, he's that person. He, he has all the talent in the world, but the performances that he sees and the performances that we see are obviously different. You know, when you're talking about being blue door winner and I should be playing for France. There's been a few Newcastle managers now, and I'm sure there's been two or three French managers at the time he's been a professional footballer. And uh, at the top end, I haven't pushed the boat out on them. And we know there's people expressed interest in saying them, but there's been nothing concrete. That should tell you a bit more about them as well. You know, if we ever indicated that would sell Bruno, then they'd be queuing up. And we mean the top, top clubs that ASM believes that he would be worthy of creation. Now, if he does move, it'll be... Like you say, he'd be a reserve, like a Richarlison, just like uh, as a backup. Or he's going to have to take a sideways step or even a backward step in his own mind and go to like, someone like a Leverton or a Leicester or a Aston Villa or whoever's willing to take a gamble with him. Uh, or he actually does what he is capable of doing more constantly and thinking, right, if I roll my sleeves up here, if I do what's, what's asked of me, and then I can still do my own thing. I'll have everyone on side. Then I've got the world at my feet. And then all of a sudden, Newcastle become a more attractive attacking proposition because of this man. But we seem to be spending too much talk every week over since well, since we started doing this, maybe it's two years ago. Oh, let's give him more time. We'll give him to this window. We'll give him to that window. Uh, and I don't understand why he gets so much leeway. You know, if like, people want to slate Miggy, but... Sometimes it's just says that he, at least he is putting the graft in, and he's not going to just give up and let people walk past him or point at people. He will put the graft in, but both of them, I believe, at best would be in our squad, not in our starting eleven, uh, if we can get these transfers right in the next couple of weeks. We got a look at Botman uh, yesterday, Mitch, and um, wow, impressive stats. Uh, didn't. <laughs> Didn't didn't mess about, and obviously Dan Byrne ended up at left back because Matt Target had a dead leg. Um, I think there'll be changes again next week. Manchester City, I doubt we'll see Dan Byrne playing left back, but it gives Eddie Howe a bit of a headache, and it's a headache which he's had since the start of the season and since he signed Botman, which is who do you play at centre half? And I get the impression it could well be horses for courses. I mean, of course, we have injuries, we'll have suspensions over the course of the season, but you make a decision next week. I guess he could play three centre-halves. He could well go with Byrne, Shaw and Botman together. He could play, you know, he could play any one of a combination. But it's uh, it's an interesting one to have. And Botman certainly looks the player and doesn't look like he needs time to settle in, Mitch. No, and, and but also it was one of those performances where he just got about his business. He just was efficient and did it. Looked cool, looked calm. Um wasn't in your face constantly named on but in the commentary, you know, he just did his stuff and looked good at it. Um they're they're the Rolls Royce type of players that sort of come around every now and again and he has that look of it and, and uh everybody panicking about Burn going out the left back obviously didn't realise how many times he played at left back in the Premier League for Brighton, either by um either left back or even a left wing back he's played for Brighton there so uh, I wasn't under too much panic about having him out there but you're right I think for Man City that may change significantly and again it shows we've got options we can go to a back three we can go to a four we can pick any number of combinations in the four um, and you're right I think you'll take a horses for courses approach to it that's what we've got the squad for and I think that's how we'll do it um, 
And isn't it a wonderful, wonderful problem to have, given that we're constantly told how bad Newcastle defences are over the years, and we're now talking about options to slot different players in, and we've started the season with two clean sheets and really looked in one game super comfortable, and in the other one, um, yes, the, the defence worked hard at it, but they showed the can graft in, which is fantastic. Thoughts on Botman and uh, you know how he played yesterday, Stu? I thought he was superb. Played practically, he didn't make any errors, did he? You know, he's reading off the game, his positional sense, uh, his strength, uh, his, his passing ability, the measure of the pass as well, you know, the weight of the pass. It, it, he seems so composed for someone so young. And I think it'll be difficult to leave him out. So that's the conundrum. Do you play a burn with him or keep the left-right balance with Shaw, which I believe is what anyhow favours. And it's going to be unlucky for Dan Burn if Target, I'm sure he'll recover from his dead leg by next day weekend. So, it's to me, it's a straight call between Burn and Target, and Target is uh, left-back in in position, although he missed last yesterday. He's, he's, he, is this, he is the main left-back, isn't it? So, the nice thing is, whichever way it goes round, we've got quality there. And, you know, we're not, uh, like we could have been a couple of weeks or a couple of seasons back playing people out of position, playing right backs at left back, playing midfielders at left back. You know, and now we have proper people, even our own our own Paul Dummett. He was on the bench, he could easily have slotted in there as well. You know, and, uh, Matt Ritchie can play left back if push comes to show. But again, if we keep the square pegs for the holes, Matt Tuckett should come back in. Yeah, no, I, I think we probably will uh, see that next week. But uh, again, going to be interesting. Manchester City, the champions coming to town, uh, will be a big occasion. Let's give a shout out to the sponsors. Big thank you, as always, to Skips and Bins, telephone 0800 2545 253. Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website Easy contract free and pay as you go waste collection. Thanks to Darren Baldwin Funerals. You can find them at 304 Old Durham Road, Gateshead, or by telephone at 0191 478 You can email Darren direct at darren at darrenbaldwinfunerals.co.uk or go to the website www.darrenbaldwinfunerals.co.uk. Thanks also to Garden of Healing Dispensary, CBD Hemp and Cannabinoid Specialists, www.gohd.com. And thanks to Mr. Vicky's Sources, handmade in Cumbria. You can find them at mrvickies.co.uk or by telephone in 01768 210102. Thanks to Away Day Clothing and to Media Arts for all the help with their video side of things. Thanks to qtechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls and Newcastle, and the guys who run our website, nufcmatters.com. If you want to subscribe, hit the NUFC Matters logo in the bottom right-hand corner, and you can subscribe for free. Hit the thumb up to like the video, and click share to share to your social media. We're also available as a podcast on iTunes and on Spotify and other podcast providers. If you want to join, click join underneath the video and you can make a small donation to the channel or you can become a cult member uh, by going to nufcmatters.com, paying a one-off fee and getting a cup, a pen, a membership card and a scarf and entry into the monthly draw. If you've got a smartphone, hit the QR code. It will take you straight there. We also give away free car stickers. If you're a subscriber, just email john at nufcmatters.com to claim it today. We support the food bank. Uh, on the show as well, nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk is the match day bucket. You can make a virtual donation uh, any day of the week, any day of the year. And don't forget, Peter Beersley Soccer School is ongoing through August. Uh, for further information, visit peterbeersleysoccerschool.com. And the Callum Wilson shirt is still up for grabs. Uh, $2.95 for a ticket. Football prizes are giving that away. I'll stick the link in the chat if you want to enter that. Get yourself on there. Okay, let's uh, put up this picture and uh, just ask the question, why are Amanda and me, Dad, at Chelsea today? Um, obviously, London is their home. Uh, they live just across from Hyde Park and, uh, you know, they uh, will be spending a bit of valuable time with uh, their son, I'm sure. Uh, but, yeah, down there as guests of Chelsea Football Club, are they looking at a couple of players, Mitch? I think you're more looking at uh, business networking, mate. Uh, if, if you think that they're more than likely the guests of the corner of Chelsea, who's the 
chairman of Clear Lake Capital, who they'll know from the business world. As Stu would tell you, from this part of the world, Iranian business links are very tight. And Iranian businessmen tend to stick very tight and tend to do a lot of business together as well. Um, add to that, uh, Chelsea seem to be on a charm offensive with the new ownership, trying to you know, get ingratiated with the Premier League. Um, how much that has to do with future Super League and American investment in football aspirations, who could dare say or comment. Um, but if there was a discussion to be made about that, with the backing of PIF, Newcastle United have to be in the discussion, have to be in the equation. They'd be foolish not to, they'd be daft not to when they look at the impact that Live Golf's already had and stood up the world of golf. Any move like that would involve us, whether that's right or wrong or whether how, how we as a fan base would feel about that, that is inevitable. Um, and Chelsea seem to be on, a, or Chelsea's new owners are certainly on a big charm offensive. So there's umpteen reasons why they could be there. So there's, there's, there's no point in trying to sit and guess why they're there. Um, you know, it, it, it's a headline that basically says uh, business people who know business people are invited to a corporate event. That's pretty much it, really. Yes, I'm sure there's business to be talked about between the two clubs, um, but direct chats with uh, Amanda and Maydad regarding transfer activity, for example, I would have thought with Dan Ashworth in place would be very unlikely. Um, There'll be a way that things are done. But that said, um, I, I, I think it shows how, under new ownership, we are viewed as a very different beast now. You wouldn't see um, Mike Ashley doing that. You wouldn't have seen uh, Penfold in there in the same way. I think, you know, it shows we've got a, a definitely pitching at a different level now. You know, and, and and as I say, the simple answer for me is the, the between Maydad and and uh, uh, I forget the guy's name who's the, the the chair. Clearly, Iranian business community is exceptionally tight, and that's exactly the kind of meeting I would expect to see. Yeah, obviously, when the cameramen get their lenses stew focused on people in there uh, in the director's box, there's always going to be questions. And I think the fact that Newcastle United fans are eager for incomings, uh, there's always going to be speculation, isn't there, when you see a photograph like that? Uh, definitely. I think it's a fixture, uh, sorry, it's a mixture of all. If they were going there for a player, they wouldn't be so high profile with a glass of rosé standing on the balcony where they know the world's cameras are watching. And to be fair, I think this is what Dan Ashworth's been employed to do anyway. You know, so I think it's more the case of alluding to what Mitch has said there. They're back at home, they're in London. Uh, out of the big six that tried to stop us, or the top six, whatever you want to call them, corrupt six, whatever. Uh, Chelsea, the first ones to be taken over, so they could change of ownership. And they're the first ones to, to reach out with the olive branch to us as well. And they can come in totally, like, try to make friends and say, look, we weren't part of that. We're aware new. We understand what your game is. We'd like to be part of that because they, they understand the business that the potential and the wealth behind Newcastle United, there's only one way they're going to be. So it's, if we can make friends rather than enemies with these people, as Chelsea are doing, then you know it's a charm offensive on their behalf. And if, if they want to invite them for a free meal and sit and chat to them, then that's fine. You know, but that doesn't mean we'll be signing Kante this week or anyone else like that. You know, we may get a couple of their reserves, but I think the, that work will be done right from Ashworth, the scouting team, Eddie Howe, and maybe even Daniels, before, uh, he's due in next week, isn't he? So I don't think Amanda and Murdad are there to sign any players today. Hopefully I'm wrong, it's a good one. Yeah, OK. I mean, BT was asking earlier, is there any truth in Newcastle submitting a new offer uh, on Madison or is it the usual paper talk? Uh, and BT also pointing out that... Uh, uh, Ramos said that he's at Benfica, he's fine, we're playing well. What matters to me is Benfica. Benfica have said that they've already had a bid from one club, but refused to name which one. And I guess I'll tie that in um, with John's question, Mitch, which is, hi guys, do you think Newcastle will buy a striker and a right winger before the window shuts? Why can't they buy a striker when Forrest are buying players and Newcastle aren't? So, again, it's just it's the frustration, Mitch, that we have you know, from, from okay. people and... Yeah, and Questions galore, which we really can't answer, but you know, we've got an opinion. Well, on I, I, look, at both Stu and I would tell you straight away how much tighter 
and more locked down Newcastle United is than ever, right now, since Ashworth come in. There are far fewer things leaking out from different places in Newcastle United that used to leak like a sieve that would reach my ears, that would reach Stu's ears, or reach Chasey's ears, and would sit together on my little WhatsApp group and put put our heads together and say, right, well, I've heard this, all right, okay, well, that tallies with something I've got from here, etc., etc., etc. That just ain't happening at all. We're, we're busy sending videos of, that finish with orgasm noises to each other at the minute. That's how, how little uh, <laughs> updates we get these, these days. Um, but that's the way it should be. It's it's not how many casting United it has been. It's been quite uh, an open book, and now it isn't. And that's a good way to be. Do I think there's a third bid for Madison? I, I would be amazed if they give up after two, because it's a player they seem very keen on. Um, similarly, do I think the striker and a right winger would come in before the end of the window? I said two weeks ago on Amigos, I think I expect with the break wear record twice. And I think that's the two positions we'll make. And for me, um, it, it, I think yesterday showed that's exactly where we could do with that little bit of extra space. So that would fit in with, with the plans. Why are Forrest spending? Now, I had a little chat on Twitter today about this. And what Forrest's new owners are doing is they're taking all of their new income from promotion in the Premier League and sticking it on red and hoping it works. And hoping they don't get relegated. And hoping that with the, if they do get relegated, there's enough in what they can sell and enough in the parachute payments to just keep them afloat. Because they're risking whatever they do this season now with the amount they're spending, they are not going to be able to do that in the next two years under the Premiership three-year window rule. And therefore, they're taking a huge gamble. We could do that, we could blow a lot of money, but everything that we blow in this window screws the next window and the next window and the next window. Now, this is where I would deviate a little bit and say, though, for the right player at the right price, I think our our uh, board and management team would blow the structure if the right player became available at the right place and they thought they could get them in. Um, I think there's flexibility there and I think it's fluidity. But I think there is a general overall plan, and it's not a stingy plan, as I've seen some people call it. It's a very well thought through balanced plan that then allows us to grow as the commercial income grows. Because for all we were well off under Ashley in terms of an FFP point of view from a lack of debt, we were not well off under Ashley from commercial revenues point of view. That's kind of hamstrung a little bit. And so as that grows, we can then start to spend more. What Forrest are doing is in my opinion, folly. That they're risking the financial future on the toss of a coin. Will we stay up or will we not? However, this is not a coin toss. That's just a heads or tails. It's heads, tails, but it might land on its side as well. And I think um, good luck to Forrest. But also, people are saying, oh, well, they're buying this and they're buying it. If you look at those players at the board, did, did any of those Forrest players that we played last week Look like they would make any headway in our team. Any of them. Nah, they're buying shite. And I would rather we just didn't buy anything than buy somebody for the sake of it. So I think we just got to sit tight on that and trust the process. Like I keep saying, there's still a long way to go in this transfer window yet. And I think there'll be movement towards the end when the money go around proper happens, where things start to shift from Chelsea, from other clubs, and that'll start a process and we'll be in that mix. I agree. Stu, your thoughts on uh, you know the, the ongoing transfer? I can't wait. Let's shop, by the way. I, I honestly believe we'll get at least two more signings. I think we'll get a midfielder, uh, a backup for Wilson, a young backup, because that's obviously the type of player that they're targeting. Uh, and the winger, whether that's a right winger or a left winger, will depend on outgoings and incomings from other teams as well. <clears throat> uh, but we're talking about teams spending money, silly like Forest and stuff like that. I don't think we're seeing Forest as a threat. But if you look at the the top six, they've all seem to have been dipping their hands in their pockets. But some have done it more astutely. Uh, Man City, look what they've the two that they got in, Calvin Phillips, who I would love to have had at Newcastle. I think he would have solved a lot of our problems or questions anyway. And Holland, 
Now they've got those two for I believe hundred million, but they've got the same or just about the same money back for Zinchenko going out and Jesus going out and Sterling. In fact, they've got more getting rid of Sterling. They've upgraded, but they've used their money to to the, to benefit their effect with the financial fair play. So we, we've got lots of things that we, we can look at with the regard financial fair play. But if you look at Man United, nobody spent more money than them on transfers since Alex Ferguson left. Nobody. Uh, and, and and yet the fans are still blaming the board. Yeah, they take money out, but they see it as a business. But they haven't been shy and put money in on players, have they? You know, they've got like uh, Maguire at 80 million, Sancho was roughly the same. So they've spent fortunes. They've just been mismanaged at the top uh, and at on field level. And this is something that our owners aren't doing. They're getting, they make an astute requirement, area of sorry, recruitment. And this is why Murdad's talking about the skyscraper. You've got to build the foundations, and he's done that. Uh, anyhow, I believe we'll be pushing and pushing and pushing to get the right players. And, and, well, if, and I've always said from the start of the transfer window, I think we can break it twice. It just depends on which order the signings covered. So it may just be once because the other one would have broken the transfer record, but not as high as the first one. At Swiss um, Ramble on Twitter is a good place to look, isn't it, Stu? I'm sure you've read it. Yeah, Mitch. I'm sure you've read it. If if you don't understand financial fair play and how it affects Newcastle United's current state of play, follow at Swiss Ramble on Twitter. What I'll probably do is I'll probably go through this with Ben Jacobs, and I promise we would do that with Ben. Um, but it's well worth a read, isn't it? Absolutely. All of them. Everything he does is spot on. And very well considered and thought through, and accurate, you know. Um, and and he's a great source if you really want somebody to break down how football finances work in a wonderful noddy style fashion. He's the man to go and have a look at because it, it, it is useful. Yano mm-hmm. says this. Uh, I've heard uh, comments on how saying he doesn't want to lose any players because he's only got twenty one. We've got twenty seven players. What's your thoughts, Mitch? Um, very interesting. Depends on who, what he sees as viable players, doesn't it? Um, has he already written a few off in his head? Is it, or we're just waiting for some outgoings to happen that we don't know are already lined up? Let's see. Yeah, you can't I mean, get rid of everyone, can you? No, you can't. People no. know that you need to get players in, and that's where the price goes up again on top of the Newcastle tax. But he's probably looking at 21 fit players from the squad that he wants, which indicates he's, there's room for three or four more, doesn't it? Um, yeah. Again, Elliot won't count as part of that, young Elliot Anderson. So you've got people like uh, Jamal uh, Lewis, who's, is he coming back? Is he not coming back? Is he a few weeks away? I don't think Shelby should be named in the 25-man squad. What's the point? By the time he's fit again, he might play one game for us. And if he's been out for so long, he's going to throw him into just the first game, which would be the Leeds if the timetable or timescale is right for his injury. That player, that squad players could be better used uh, with the new recruit. Uh, I still believe we're going to get uh, Paqueta, and I don't know why I'm so strong in belief of that. I still believe we get Tillybins as well, and I also think we can get a winger or that young player. So that could be the three or four that's, uh, that's been alluded to by, by the manager, but I know. There's 27. You've got Freddy Fernandez. He's not going to be playing, is he? Uh, and he's, he's got a squad place. Mm. You've got many, Matt Ritchie. Many, now, we know he wants to go to the South Coast. And he'll stay. If he's, if he's saying, just stay till till the January window, mate. Just do us a favour. He, he would do that. But if we can get a better player in, then he, he'd be gone. You know, so it's the ruthless thing that we've talked about quite a few times, but we've, we've just got to make sure that when we are bringing people in, they will improve the squad. And I've got no doubt at all that's exactly what the recruitment team are doing. Been a bit of this I, I know the, day, the, the young the young strike Eric Marseille was left out of their squad mm. today. Uh, that would be linked with, so it would suggest. Um, I think the press reports from France said there's two two premiership clubs got bids in for him so there's another one that would be linked with that looks like he's on the verge of a move so let's see how that unfolds yeah a lot of this chatter on twitter about uh, anderson again you know should anderson be preferred as a sub to the likes of murphy and longstaff is there a fear he might be restricted to a few minutes here or a few minutes there mitch i mean i've seen a lot of people saying that he should be ahead of games what two games in the season Mm -hmm. it's a long season it's 
cannot have everything all at once. And in the situation we were in yesterday, what if he'd stuck him on and he tried to do something clever, give the ball away, and that led to a conceding, conceding a goal. And then everybody's on his back. What did they put him on for? Should have been somebody with more experience. Can it win? Can it win? Trust the manager. Trust what he's doing with his squad. If Elliot Aniston stays in Newcastle United, he's staying because it, I'm quite sure how wants him to develop under his own way and under his wing, and he'll use him appropriately in appropriate games. Um, he's 19 year old. He's had a great season in League One. Uh, one step at a time, everybody. Just chill. I, 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 this, we seem to be becoming a very impatient fan base over everything. It's got to happen right. now, tomorrow, instantly. And actually, if if that's if everybody's interested in the final destination, you're going to miss the journey, and it's the journey you should be enjoying. And I think with Anderson, um, yeah, I'm quite sure he'd get plenty of minutes. If he stays and he doesn't go out on loan somewhere, that's absolutely fantastic. I've got no doubt he will. Because um, I gather on in the training pitch, he's pulling up trees, which is great. If he keeps doing that, he'll force his way in. Yeah. Every, everybody's shown that. Under Eddie Howe, if you perform well, and you perform well in training, and you're performing the way that he wants you to, he will give you a chance eventually. So I think everybody needs to just take a chill pill on that one. Yeah, I would agree with you on that, Mitch. And Stu, I mean, you know, what Mitch says is right, you know, just give it, you know, he'll get his chance and when he gets his chance, he'll have to take it. Oh, he will, but you don't want to ruin him either. And he's got he's got a long career ahead of him. And I, I was one of those people that would have liked him come off the bench yesterday, but probably after about 30 minutes, I thought he should have been on the pitch. But anyhow, we'll, he'll blend him in. He's already told him that he's staying. He's not going to loan him out. He's going to be part of the squad. He wants him in around, even if that's only till January. So he knows he feels wanted. Uh, and as we've been informed, that he's, he's performing exceptionally well in training. He's doing everything right. But it's, it's not just like one bad game, you lose your position, or one good game, you, that's your team, that's your position forever. You know, the, the lad's going to have to learn the style of play, the, the role that's required to play that. He's going to have to, it's easier sometimes to watch at pitch level, sorry, when we're in the stands watching, but as the manager sees it, he can be sitting there listening to how the managers and coaches are talking about uh, positional awareness and stuff like that. And it's all about learning all the time. Uh, and when he does come on, I'm, I'm sure what we don't need is uh, too much expectancy on him. Uh, and I think he'd be more comfortable by training with the first team and he'd, he'd be more natural in with the banter and stuff like that once he does get his head I, I think you'd be hard to keep out the team as well because he is he does look like an exceptional talent yeah no, there's no doubt no doubt about it for me um, you know he will he will make it and I hope they do what Manchester City did with, with Ford and give him the opportunity to, yeah. to, to grow uh, lots of people do want us to talk a little bit about Man United wow talk about the club in self-destruct mode Mitch um, I mean they were they were our rivals in the 90s, pipped us to the league in that infamous season, of course. And uh, the reports, uh, obviously, that to double check this, but it comes coming from reliable sources and, and being quoted by Sky News of all places, Sky Sports News, that Manchester United are considering to cancel Ronaldo's contract. I mean, this is bizarre, isn't it, in the world of football? That would be um, quite an interesting situation if they were to resort to that. Um, there's been a suggestion for a while that Ronaldo ruins dressing rooms everywhere he goes. And he'll score you 20 goals a season, but might actually then destroy your squad that could have got 40 or 50 goals that season. And, and that seems to be what they're hinting at here. What I witnessed yesterday... Oh, by the way, Stuart bumped into Gareth yesterday. Aye. After, after, yes, oh, was he was in... This, this, this is a, a Brentford supporting friend of ours out here. Oh, and all, right. all, I, all I could get out of him was, yeah, we won 4 nil, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, he was, um, yeah, he, he'd had a few celebratory uh, gentlemen's beers uh, afterwards. And, and he was, you know, Kai's a kite and why the hell not? What a shambles, top to bottom, that entire club looks right now. And I, I, what I'm really enjoying at the minute 
is the collective lack of sympathy the football family seems to have for Man United fans at the moment. It's quite uh, quite amusing. You know, I saw, saw one particular quote on Twitter the day saying to some Man United fan who was really woes me in about a terrible decade that they've had saying, well, hold on a minute, do you want to look at Newcastle? Do you want to look at Villa? Do you want to look at Leeds? Do you want to look at, you know, so many teams who've, you know, had all sorts going on where you've been enjoying, you know, Champions League football and other things. And I think they're showing their colours as a fan base is uh, every bit of things that we've been accused of in the past. Um, I think the club's suffering from having... And I think it's quite clear this is this is the whole concern I would have in terms of the amount of American ownership creeping into the game, is that American owners really genuinely don't understand the world of football and don't understand how to make it work, particularly with a vehicle like Man United where they're still able, even though for a club like them they probably have been underperforming for the last 10 years, they're still t- taking massive dividends out of it and lining their pockets with it. And, and that's all they see in terms of, at the end of the day, their success, as long as they can do that. Um, they've not had necessarily the best football people in place running the club. They've had accountants running the club. Um, we know all about what happens when accountants end up running the club. We had one sat in our uh, chairman's office for the thick end of 10 years, and look what, yeah, we're great top of the balance sheet league, but it didn't do much for the club, did it? It took away its heart and soul. And that's what we're getting back now. And so... Um, I don't have much sympathy for some of the Man U fans that I'm seeing whinging and whinging and whinging at the minute. Uh, but at the same time, um, the end result always is about what happens on, happens on the green stuff. And yesterday, Man United were pretty awful. Well, like Stu, I mean, it's uh, definitely a case of let's all laugh at Man U at the minute. Yeah, well, I had a conversation with the same lad that Mitch was talking about there, Gareth, the Brentford fan. And I was sitting with him when Brentford won to get into the playoff final. And I think the week after, I Mitch, when they got promoted. So I, was, I said to him last night, you must be in dreamland thumping Man United 4-0. Now, this, his reply to me gives an indication of how far Man United have fallen because... We beat Man United 5-0 20-odd years ago and we're still talking about it, you know, because they were the great team. Uh, and he says, you know, it was fantastic beating them, but I half expected it to win, but not by four. Uh, but he also then said, the, I said, but it's got to be a proudest moment back in the Premier League. He went, no. He says that that was when we'd, we'd just equalised against Liverpool, 3-3, and then we went straight on the attack again. And he says, that was my little Brentford playing one of the top teams. They don't see Man United as the top team now. It's only the media that do. Uh, yes, revenue-wise, they'll still coin it in for the foreseeable future. But uh, they're full of bad decisions. And this is why I know we had our WhatsApp group uh, across here in Serifa speaking to an old friend of mine who was a boogie. And I was telling him, Nate Newcastle, Nate the Fort, to finish in the top six. And he went, oh, no chance. So after a couple of beers, I managed to persuade him to give us three to one for it. Uh, and the way I look at that, that's three to one for us to finish above Man United. As long as we win our own little league off the Aston Villas, Leicesters, Wolves, which I'm, I'm sure we're more than capable of, even with the squad we've got. Can we beat Man United at this season to finish at least six? Absolutely we can. So I put some money on in there. Uh, Keith did as well. I believe Keith was the one that uh, said he wanted to do it. <laughs> so that, that's where Man United are. They're just there to be laughed at at the moment. As long may it continue, because... We all remember the great Liverpool team of the 80s. Uh, and then they went through a little uh, mid-90s when we were on our ascendancy. They went down a bit. But they kept their heads down, didn't they? And they didn't moan as much as what Man United fans are doing now. And then I think you've got to look at the fan bases and think right, that they deserve more respect because they were in the doldrums for a good 10 years, uh, Liverpool. And they've eventually clawed their way back up to the top. But again, everything changes in football. It's cyclic, isn't it? You've got... Salah, Marley's already gone. The midfield's creaking. Or Liverpool, the force that they used to be, or they're there to be got it. And it just needs a, a new, young, attacking, vibrant team that all aren't on 300, 400 grand a week like the Man United players. And that's the problem. They've all got so much. They've got nothing to push forward. They're all on the best contracts they've ever been in their life. And mentally, subconsciously and mentally, they've relaxed. Uh, where we, our hungry team will finish above them. And they'll be a few hundred quid better off at the end of the season. 
Yeah, Phil Luke says there's a serious culture problem at Man United that don't have any direction and there are clear factions uh, within the club. And, and and there's a lot to be said about team morale. And I mean, that's what we've got. You know what I mean? Uh, I know some people don't like the, the team photos, but Newcastle win 2 0 at home against Notts Forest. And, uh, you know, everybody, you know, subs, you know, kit man, security, uh, manager, all, all in these team photographs. And, and that's what it takes. And Manchester United are a million miles away from that at the moment. And um, you blame Ronaldo all you want, but the, there's there's other people in that dressing room, I think, who probably need to take up some responsibility. Lee Major says, I've been on the Rio Ferdinand uh, to set up a GoFundMe page so the supporters can buy the club. <laughs> Yes, he got a bit of stick. Uh, and Lee Major, very funny, says, I've got a 66 to 1 double Ryan Giggs and Man United to both go down. Um, caretaker reveling in the fact that it took us till November, uh, October, sorry, to get four points last season. Uh, we've got four points <laughs> in the bag now, which is very, very true. We've got to be positive. Um, yeah, okay, we've got five minutes left. And we, we covered this a little bit on the Amigos, but Stu obviously doesn't do the Amigos on a Friday. So I'm going to come to you, Stu. Keegan, you know, and Eddie Howe going and looking at the past and talking about, you know, days gone by, showing videos to the players and talk about bringing Keegan in, um, you know, into the club. What's, what's your views on on that? I think it's a marvellous idea. Uh, and if Eddie Howe's tapping into that and Keegan's all for it, then we as a, as a fan base will only benefit from it. You know, uh, the, the guy is a paid paper. Even now he's in his 70s. I can guarantee you could still do a rousing speech in front of any audience and, and convince them that he was right all along. Uh, and, and someone like that, Eddie Howe probably grew up watching that team and trying to replicate it. And if you're not asking the right man or the, the exact man for help, then you, you're missing a trick because I, I believe he would very happily be involved with Newcastle again uh, now that Mike Ashley's not involved. Uh, and this could be setting the path for some sort of ambassadorial role, possibly. Uh, bring him in, getting to know the players, meet the chairman, meet the directors, etc. And you couldn't think of someone better. I, I honestly couldn't. And, and if anyhow, we'll learn from him how to get the get the, the balance right, because that's something that Keegan didn't do at the end. So I think I will have to be his own headstrong person, but take all the positives out of it. You know, you can't get enough of good news. And that's what Kevin Keegan his charisma does. He brings good news to the club. He brings the feel-good factor. And I'm sure after whoever he spoke to the walk away, go, wow, he, he really loves this club. And that's the sort of message we need to get across to people. So it's fantastic that he's speaking to Kevin Keegan. Yeah, great stuff. Mitch, we covered this on Friday. But uh, yeah, yeah it, it, it's... It's what you want. You know, we all want, you know, Kevin Keegan to, to play some part, an ambassadorial role going around the globe, preaching, you know, to, to, to businessmen and, you know, to uh, commercial partners, potential commercial partners about what Newcastle means, what it's all about, what a vibrant city it is, one city club um, and, and a club on the up. Um, you know, I couldn't think of anybody better. But even if that's not going to happen, then it's just a case of them, you know, coming into the club one day, coming to the training uh, ground, and given one of those, you know, unique talks that Kevin can give, would will certainly would would just lift would would give such a lift you, to the place. You listen to any of the anecdotes from any of the players who played under Keegan. Um, use from you know Robley being convinced that Newcastle was closer to London than Middlesbrough. Um, some of the tales that Steve Howie cracks on about some of the. Some of the tales from Bez, some of the tea, you know, all, all of these things. Um, he, he, he's an individual that players seem to be um, unable to be anything other than inspired by. And you need that around the dressing room, you need that in the club. I would love to hear an open speech from him, which starts along the lines of I told you so, referring back to that quote he made. About him not coming back to the club until Ashley's gone, and when Ashley's gone, we'll get our club back. Because he was right. Yeah. And and I think that would segue nicely and bookend everything for him in his journey when he passed United. To bring him back on the back of that, I was right, and I'm back, and I'm back for you lot, and I'm back for the spirit in this this club and city. 
And I think and he, the press couldn't fail to be inspired by listening to that. And he doesn't have to be hands-on. He doesn't have to be seen to be being interfering with. And I think, again, on the back of some of the things Howe's done um, in his time away from the game when he was between jobs, he's looking at how, you know, some of the clubs in the States in particular use um, former players, particularly some of the baseball clubs, um, in ambassadorial roles and in inspirational roles and keeping the fans inspired as well. And, and they use them very, very well and play on really relatively short histories very, very strongly. You know? Um, and I think everybody, anybody who has grown up watching football have had their head in a, in a bucket if they don't know who Keegan is and what Keegan brought to the Premier League uh, with with our team. And so um, it would make perfect sense, particularly in certain situations, if we're going into bigger games, mm. to have that kind of positivity bouncing around the room. Which, can I just add there, he'd thing. also be very, very popular and very well known with the powers that be uh, in Saudi Arabia as well. Because oh, they're all of an age where, you know, they would have been brought up in the entertainers as well. Not even some well, Keegan as a player. But the older ones as well, Older ones as well in this region, bearing in mind how long Liverpool Football Club have been coming to this region mm-hmm. and making links in this region. The older ones as well, and no Kevin Keegan, if it's not necessarily associated with Newcastle United, it will be from that too. And I think yeah. that's a fantastic card to play. You're right. You're absolutely right. Great stuff, lads. Great hour. Thanks to everybody who uh, tuned in. Thanks to the mods for taking uh, t- care of the chat. Thanks to Paul Gallant for coming on. He's, he's always in there pushing the show. Thank you very much, my friend. And uh, thanks to everybody, of course, who subscribed to the show. I'm back tomorrow night. Uh, we've given it a new title because Joe's got his own show these days, as you all know. It's called The Monday Club. We'll be looking at transfers, of course, in the transfer window and looking back at the weekend's events. But uh, The Monday Club, uh, Monday night with Joe Walker, 6 o'clock tomorrow night. Make sure you set a reminder and uh, join us for a bit of NUFC matters. Then, Mitch, Stu, see you guys on Wednesday night. Enjoy uh, the rest of your night in Tenerife, Stu. Cheers, Paul. See you Wednesday. See you, you guys.